Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. It is Monday, June 26th. Creators don't get to just make whatever they want in Hollywood. It takes executives to say yes or no, to chart a business path so the expenses of making the content makes sense. It's a cliche that all executives make content worse, but that's not actually usually the case, or at least not all the time. It is true that in this era of chaos in Hollywood, there aren't as many great young executives in power to chart a path to the future. And that's kind of a problem. Not a single major studio or streamer is led by someone younger than 50. If you look at the landscape, Disney couldn't even find someone to take over as CEO, so they had to go back to the old CEO, Bob Iger, who's in his 70s. These jobs are just different these days, more brand manager and risk assessor than creative visionary. I talk to producers and agents all the time who say they don't even bother taking big projects to more junior executives because they don't have any actual power to make stuff. And making stuff is how young executives build reputations, leads them to bigger and bigger jobs and deals. The industry has also done a pretty terrible job at diversifying to serve that diverse consumer audience that they're all trying to serve. But there are great executives out there, and that matters to people who care about great projects that you and I watch every day. Execs who can manage talent and bottom lines, make the process and the product better. Today, we're doing a draft episode with Lucas Shaw of Bloomberg. We're going to go pick teams, executives, men and women who we would want if we were starting a company today could lock down the great executives that are out there for unlimited money. So today, it's the executive draft. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. So the rules, and uh, Craig is going to mediate, as he always does. The rules here are, as I said, is you're starting a company. Money is no object. You've got a, a Steve Cohen or the Saudis or whoever's bankrolling your new operation. You want this executive to be yours for the next 10 years. So that might eliminate some of these kind of older guys, the Bob Igers, who probably won't be doing this in 10 years. We're going to do categories. We have four categories here. First category is mogul CEO, so the people you'd want to run the company. Next is going to be studio chief, meaning either a film or television executive who you want as your creative leader. Then there's going to be a specialty category. That can either mean someone who does a particular thing or runs a kind of more minor division of film or television. And then 
Last but not least, we'll do a rising star. So this is someone who maybe isn't at the top level yet, but we think is someone that you want on your team. Um, the rule there, you got to be under like, what, 45, 50 for that. I know it's sad that that's a rising star in Hollywood these days, but let's not, let's say 50 is the barrier there. Make sense? I'm in. I'm ready. And the other thing is we're not going to go category by category. You can pick in any of the categories. Like if you think that you want to prevent me from getting the rising star that you want, then you can pick that first. If you want. There, there are two categories where I'm really vulnerable. And so this oh. could this could go sideways quickly. There are a couple of categories where I feel like there's a deep bench and a couple where I, I don't feel as strong. Okay. Uh, Craig, do you have a trivia question to see who gets first pick? I'm going to keep this in the executive age category here. The question is, how old was Barry Diller when he was named chairman of Paramount Pictures? Oh, I think I may know this. Do you want to guess first, Lucas? No, no, no. Your, your show. 28? It's either 28 or 32, I, if I remember correctly. So I'm going to go 28. Uh, I will go... Uh, well, you, you gave me the other guess, I guess. Yeah, so sorry I, about uh, that. <laughs> no, I'll, well, I'll go one under that because this just protects me a little bit. So I'll go, I'll go 31. He was 32 years old. Oh, <laughs> should have gone with my gut there. You should have. Is that the youngest anyone's been? No, I think, I mean, it depends on the company. Peter Goober was really young when he got put in charge of Sony or Columbia or whatever. Yeah, Jeffrey was young as well. I, I, I think, you know, the jobs were somewhat different. I think you could be the studio head and maybe be, not be, you know, in charge of the business side at some of these companies. So I think it's a tough question to ask who the youngest was, but Diller's certainly up there. And he's still kicking. Now he's like shitting all over Hollywood to whoever yeah. will ask. Hollywood is over, according to Barry Diller. All right. So you get to go first. What's your first pick? I'm going to be honest. This is this would not be my first pick, but I was really torn on the mogul CEO category because the two obvious choices, like when I polled executives in December, who the smartest executives were in Hollywood, uh-huh. it was Bob Iger and Reed Hastings. Bob Iger as a steward, Reed Hastings as entrepreneur, but Bob Iger is over 70 and Reed Hastings is really rich and like not retired, but doesn't have the fire, I think, to be the guy you want to run for the next 10 years. Remember, though, money is no object. If you could pay him like Lionel Messi money. I know, but I just I don't think that's how he's wired. I don't think he's Probably interested not. in taking on another venture. So uh, my choice is Ari Emanuel. Oh, interesting. You really want you want that guy in your boardroom every day. You want to be called a fucking asshole 20 times a day. Here is my logic. I think that he has experience across pretty much everything. Sports, entertainment, live events, script entertainment. He has mm-hmm. talent relationships. He still has fire in the belly. He wants to be a billionaire. And I just think even though he, there are all sorts of personal f- personality flaws that come with, with picking him, he is a, a leader and a visionary that people tend to believe in. And he has just continued to build his company into something bigger and bigger and bigger. And if I want someone to run a relatively new company or I want someone who has experience as an entrepreneur, and he does. So that is my pick. He just bought WWE. He's got UFC. He's got the talent business, sports. Yeah, he's got a lot of of experience. He's just such a volatile personality. I feel like with Ari Emanuel, like you show up one morning and he's just going to start calling everybody assholes, telling everyone everyone's wrong, you know, seizing control of the company. And you would be out in the company that you created. Did you listen to his Freakonomics podcast interview? It got a lot of traction. <laughs> it was um, very, it was wild. I talked to someone who said it was the most honest interview anyone's given in the last five years or something. It was pretty great. I recommend it. it also, like, 
he has this weird diet that like he doesn't eat for certain days and like he has like all this this a lot of a lot of about his gut. He's got a, yeah. he's got a big focus on gut health, which I guess would make him, you know, probably good to have on your team because you know he's not gonna keel over. Yeah. I'll stay in the mogul CEO category just to keep it consistent here. I'm gonna go with Peter Chernin as my mogul CEO pick. Now, he is not currently in the studio system. He ran Fox for the Murdochs back in the day. I just feel like if there is anyone in the industry right now who has that like statesman feel to him, even Bob Iger right now is being run through the ringer. You know, these guys running the companies now, they're in such a tough spot that they don't have the same gravitas as someone like Chernin, who has done the job and has been outside the system. He's an investor now. He's got a very successful company. He's investing in lots of digital media. He's got a film fund with the Qataris that he does that he, I think, is has been successful at. I just think that the overall package of someone who's run one of these companies, who is out there and could do the job day one and you'd want on your team to build, it's going to be churning. I mean, look, Peter is brilliant. He ha- He was a very effective number two for Rupert Murdoch for a long time. And as you noted, he's had a very successful career since then. The only two things that would give me pause are one, he's 72. So if you're picking for the next 10 years, even though he seems healthy and fine, you know, he's Iger age. And the other is he seems to have largely given up on wanting to do that, right? He seems pretty content with his life. And so it's similar to the Reed Hastings situation where I just don't know that that person wants to come back and be the CEO of a multinational corporation. Yeah, but again, I have Steve Cohen, have Saudi Steve Cohen money, money here. I know, I know. So we, we can do whatever we want here. That's true. Maybe like with the Mets, we'll pay through the nose and then everyone will get injured. Poor Mets fans. Cheap shot. Pick number two. I'm gonna, so I'm going to just continue. These were the two categories where I didn't have the most options. So I'm going to go to Rising Star because I feel like the other two, I have a lot of options. And I'm going to go international. So I'm going to take uh, Min Young Kim who is probably not who your person was in this category, but I was nervous about it anyways. She is the head of programming uh, in APAC, other than India, basically, for Netflix. She was sort of the executive behind Netflix's big success with Korean television and has basically brought Korean TV to the world. And if if I'm building a new company and I want someone who has a lot of experience in a part of the world where maybe our studio chief does not, um, you know, that's what I want. So you want your company to be focused on Korean television? No, but I want someone who has a lot of experience in Asia, which is home to more than half of the people in the world. That's true. And a growth market, (laughs) unlike this country, which is not really a growth market. All right. uh, I'll I'll admit I don't know much about um, (laughs) the Korean television as you do, but um, I know it's big. So I'll give you that. My pick is actually another Netflix executive for Rising Star. And it's a woman who is a VP of drama at Netflix named Ginny Howe, who has been credited with a lot of the success on the Bridgerton franchise. And when you talk to executives, I did a little research before we did our selection, just asking some of the agents and people who deal with Netflix on a day-to-day basis, who they consider a rising star at these television companies. Her name kept coming up. Good taste, easy to deal with, honest, and well-liked within the company. So if I'm betting on someone to be able to have good relationships within the creative community, 
I'm going to bet on her. She's in like, I think she's in her early 40s. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Solid selection. Okay, now I got to go studio chief or specialty. I guess I'm going to go studio chief. And though the, and, and there are more popular, I guess there are people who have done more popular shows elsewhere, but I feel very hard picking anyone other than Casey at HBO. All right. So th- that is a good pick. I assumed you would go that direction for yeah. Studio Chief because I feel like he's considered the number one television executive right now from a creative standpoint, clearly. But the fact that, you know, when Richard Plepler left HBO and the whole AT&T debacle, I think a lot of people thought HBO would fall, would suffer. And quarter after quarter, there is one show that HBO kills it on and everybody watches. And I feel like that consistency and the fact that even under the David Zasloff chaos and everything that's happening at Warner Discovery, the fact that they've still maintained that consistency at HBO is pretty remarkable. And a mix of shows that are sort of your award-worthy L.A. New York shows, your Succession, your White Lotus, Mm -hmm. but then you've got your House of the Dragon, your Euphorias that truly are mass hits. And I think he's got a good balance of taste. And as you point out, he has navigated a truly impossible situation. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, I'm going to stick in the studio chief category and I'm going to stay in the television world. I looked at this hard and I had a bunch of different candidates. And, you know, I thought about John Landgraf at FX and Hulu. And I thought about Eric Schreier, who has a big job in Disney television, both of which people love and are great execs. I'm going to go with their boss, Dana Walden, who has her ascension at Disney uh, after the Fox merger. She was an executive at 20th television. She came over when Disney bought Fox and was elevated with Peter Rice. Peter Rice then was fired from the company. Now she is running all of Disney television. And I just feel like around town, she is the top television executive right now. And I feel like she would be great to have on my team. Super ambitious. Super. She came up from being a publicist. Um, and she is now like being talked about legitimately as a potential Bob Iger successor at Disney. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I think that if you if you're starting a company, you want someone like Dana and her relationships um, in your corner. Dana Dana was was either my second or third choice here. Sort of a no brainer. You know, it's funny how much people bring up FX, and you know, I look, I love their shows. I we watched my girlfriend and I watched the the first two episodes of the new season of The Bear last night, but. FX hasn't had as many big commercial breakout hits that reach the masses, right? It has felt a little more niche, especially in recent years. And I think one of the things that Dana has is she has worked, obviously, with the FX folks on some of their biggest hits, including some of the Ryan Murphy shows, but also has experience with broadcast shows. She has experience selling shows to pretty much everyone. So she's she's made TV shows for basically every type of audience. 
Yeah. And the relationship she has with the creators, I feel like, are the essence of what you want in a studio chief. How are you going to get this creator to make an in-demand show for this outlet? That's the question that every studio chief has to ask themselves. And other than money, you can always overpay people. And Netflix did that for years. But the relationships do matter. Yeah. And Dana and Peter, I believe, worked together a long time ago. So you're, you're just bringing the band back together. Yeah, exactly. I think Dana would actually be a great CEO for another company, not Disney. I mean, the Disney Parks thing and all of the other you know international stuff that Disney does is a tough slog. Not that she can't do it. I mean, I think she'll need to get some training on that side. But I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up running another one of these entertainment companies um, if Disney doesn't give her the CEO job. Yeah. All right. So where are we on to next? We got two categories left. Specialty person. No, we only have one. Oh, we only have one left? Oh, yeah. Unless we want to throw in a wild card that you've just, you know. Somebody's going to be left out, but keep going. My specialty one, I'm going to take the not most obvious one, which which may be your pick. But especially because of, of the year he's had this year, I'm going Chris Melodondri. All right. That makes sense. CEO of Illumination, creator of the Minions, creator of Super Mario Brothers movie with Nintendo. But yes. I'm building out my media company. I've got Ari as the head honcho. I've got Casey Bloys running studios, a special, a lot of experience in drama and comedy. I've got Min Kim who can take care of the international component. And then now Melodondra, who can do animation. The only thing I'm really missing now, I guess, is like some kind of video game strategy. But that's a, a little well, outside you and the, You and all the other studios are missing yeah. that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I like I think Chris is great. I had him on my list for specialty. I thought you would probably pick him first, but that's okay. It's just film like he hasn't really grown out illumination to be the power in television that maybe it could be at one point. Um, But that's fine. We have this category for that reason. The criticism of of Chris and illumination would be that he's such a perfectionist that he he only makes a couple of movies at a time. And so, yes, he has not built it out into kind of this world-conquering animation division. But this, you could say the same about Pixar. Right. Uh, we don't need to talk about Pixar today. Okay. My number one for specialty executive has got to be Kevin Feige. Yeah. Unprecedented run. He's been running Marvel, what is it, 30-something movies now in a row. Little bit of a tough spot that they're in. I think he's stretched too thin with all of these big Marvel shows as well as the movies. This Secret Invasion show was supposed to be Marvel's Andor. I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it's uh, not when the numbers come out, it's not going to be one of their most popular. You know, they've hit tough spots with some of the movies lately. But if you are building a company and you want a proven hit maker, there's lots of different specialists that, you know, if you're making a horror movie, you want Jason Blum. If you want, you know, high end prestige stuff, you're going to go to the A24 guys, Daniel Katz, Daniel Frankel. I just think that Feige, as an executive who's also a producer, who can, you know, we're not getting into producers on the show. Like, there's a million producers who used to be executives who are great. And, you know, someone like a Nina Jacobson, who ran Disney's production, um, or, you know, these people that have been in the studio system and are now kind of working outside. John Glickman does a bunch of stuff, and he ran MGM. Yeah, these are people who have built companies or brands or, and, and specialize in a particular type of of programming. So in Melodondry's case, animation, Jason Blum, who you mentioned, like if you had to pick anyone to, you know, build up a horror business, that's who you'd big you'd do. And Kevin Feige has run 
the single biggest sort of specialty division or the most successful niche in the media right. business of the last 20 years. Right, exactly. And if you're if you're doing prestige stuff, you want, you know, one of the A24 guys, Daniel Katz, Daniel Frankel. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, maybe Tom Quinn at, at Neon. Like, I get that in that world. But for the comic book universe or the, the genre universe, I think he could probably take over Star Wars or one of the others and do great at it as well. That's who you want on your team, Feige. Between Feige and Melodondri, who's your pick? Feige is sort of the obvious one, but I'm betraying a bias here towards people who've sort of built their own companies. Whereas Feige, you know, what Feige's done is fucking impressive. Yeah, Marvel he's, Studios he's, is basically it's new a new but, company. Yes, but he did inherit all of these characters. So I think it's a little bit different. Okay. But yeah, I mean, Feige is a, a no-brainer. He's not the creative genius that came up with the minions. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did come up with the concept of the MCU, though, or at least is That's partially, true, that partially responsible. All right. So we left out a bunch of people here. Great executives. Is there anyone that you'd want to add for your fifth man or woman? I mean, the people who I had on my list, setting aside sort of the obvious like studio chief people like a Donna Langley or, a, yeah. you know, like that. The folks who I wanted to try to find a place for were Sarah Harden, who runs Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine, and I just think has a lot of experience across a lot of parts of the business. And if I wanted someone to sort of like spin up some new business opportunities, that would be one. So you think Hello Sunshine is successful because of Sarah Harden and not because of Reese Witherspoon? Why does it have to be mutually exclusive? I think you need no, I, 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 I'm yeah. not. I'm not judging. I, I think you need it. I, I think the answer is probably yes. I, there are a lot of celebrities who want to build their own companies. There's yes. only a couple of them that have sold them for a bunch of money. It sold them for a bunch of money because of the team around Reese. Yeah, it's the same as, as LeBron's company, Maverick Carter. Yeah. Is, thought is about good. Thought about Maverick. If you wanted an unscripted executive, I mean, there's nobody who's been on a better run than Brandon Reed at Netflix. Um, yeah, that's a good one. And, and then if you wanted someone for gaming, I might take. Uh, I'm going to butcher her last name. Laura Mealy, the CEO of, of Electronic Arts, would be a, a a pretty good selection. Who's your music pick? I don't I don't know enough about music executives to know who I'd want on my team. I mean, I know like Jody Gershon at Universal Music Publishing is considered like the yeah. I mean, it depends on it depends on what you want, right? So, like, I'd say for the last few years, the hot shot. One of the big rising star label executives has been John Janik at Interscope. Okay. Um, but also, they're like the Lippmans who run Republic do an amazing job. Jody, who you mentioned, is and John Platt are probably the two best-in-class publishing executives. Mike Rapino, who runs Live Nation, obviously does a, a pretty tremendous job. Um, you know, for, for all... Daniel Eck at Spotify, like an obvious choice. And, you know, this is a Spotify show, but like he's, he's, a, he's a pretty <laughs> remarkable, he's a pretty remarkable him. executive. Uh, there's a, there's a, but it depends on what you want them to so do. So remarkable. He, I guarantee you he doesn't listen to the show. Uh, but you're probably right. <laughs> um, actually, we don't know that. We don't know that he doesn't listen. He did include us in some presentation he did last year, which I was told was a big deal. And I, I guess maybe he will listen to those shows if he puts them in a presentation. But all right. The only one I had as that we didn't mention is I think Brian Lord at CAA um, is sort of the dawn of the talent world right now. He feels like I, I called him the mayor of Hollywood last year and he got upset. But the most powerful talent agent is probably a ripe candidate for being a very successful executive. 
and a hundred percent it just doesn't that. seem like he wants to do it he likes yeah i don't know that yeah. he wants it <laughs> but if he did want it he could probably be great at it yeah i foolishly tried to include what i understood to be the desires of some of these executives which uh is is probably foolish remember saudi money here this is the this is going to be the live golf of entertainment companies you should you should put that on uh on your your linkedin bio <laughs> minus the links to a you know murderous regime all right so let's put our teams up against each other i've got peter chernin who used to run fox i've got dana walden who currently runs disney television i've got Ginny howe who runs scripted drama at netflix and i've got kevin feige who runs marvel so that's a pretty damn good team and your team is Ari Emanuel, CEO of Endeavor. Casey mm-hmm. Bloys, the head of HBO. Chris Melodondri, the head of Illumination. Uh, Min Kim, who's a senior Asia, APAC executive at Netflix. Yeah, the beauty of this draft is that unlike our box office draft, there's really no way to check on this and hold us accountable for our picks. I so, took a real L in the box office with this Flash movie. It's crushing me. You did, but, but it's over. You, I mean, you were so far <laughs> ahead after Mario Brothers, that it's really just a formality the rest of the year. I mean, you, you did have, and you also have Spider-Verse, right? Yeah, but the Spider-Verse is like, is small, is the same size as Little Mermaid, basically. Maybe yeah, a little bigger. Yeah, that's true. And we don't know what the budget is on Spider-Verse. They have not said I th- that I yet. saw 150. Oh, you did? I bet that's, I, that's what I saw. So, yeah. Sony lies. Sony lies. It's way, it's got to be way more than that. And also, Little Mermaid just crossed 500. And it's supposed to do a billion. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of luck. All right. Those are our teams. No way to hold us accountable. Greg, what do you think? Knowing none of these people. I think, okay, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, <laughs> I think you need, um, either you need a consultant to teach you how to draft or you are just flexing all over Lucas by giving him the first pick into every single category and staying confident. I know. I need to hire like Sean Fennessy to come in and like tell me how to do the, the, the draft correctly. Because I should not be giving up first pick. You're right. No, you just tailed Lucas in every single category. All right, that's the draft. Uh, thanks, Lucas, for coming on. Appreciate it. No call sheet today. We don't do them on draft episodes. I want to thank my guest, Lucas Shaw. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. I want to thank our editor, Jesse Lopez. And I want to thank you. We'll see you later this week. 